0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that you are our God who is with us. We thank you for this beautiful creation, for your presence this morning, and your favor even this morning as we uh, have this great weather to be in. Lord, we praise you for these things and ask that you would show us your greatness this morning through your word. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I love my mom. I, I love my mom for a lot of reasons, but mostly I, I love my mom because she's an amazing woman. She, she was one of those. Okay, you don't all have a mom like mine. I did. You did? Yes. Was your mom a state champion sprinter? No. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> my mom held the record in the 220 yard dash. In Iowa State. She was an amazing woman, but but personally she was amazing to me because of things like when we were out at the beach, she would just watch and make sure that we were safe. And so one day, me and my cousins and my siblings, we were um, in one of those inflatable rafts and we were just floating along in this little lake and it was was lovely. We were having a great time, Uh, but, but some other people came over and they were kind of giving us a hard time. And pushing and things and and then they thought it would be really funny if they flipped over our raft and so they did and we came tumbling out and I ended up underneath the raft and then they thought it would be really really funny if they just like held the raft down so that I couldn't get out well I didn't think that was very funny and my mom didn't either. And so that state champion track runner came flying off the beach and cleared every child off of that raft and lifted me out of there so that I was safe. And ever since then, I have been indebted to my mom. I think that she's just a, a wonderful, amazing woman. And, and the reason that I tell you that is just because I wanted to. And also... And also because that's what I feel like this psalm is this morning. We're, we're looking at Psalm chapter 30. And, and this psalm is David just praising God for what God has done in his life. And so I want to read this Psalm chapter 30. This is a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong, you hid your face, and I was dismayed to you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell you of, will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. At the beginning of this, David is, is calling out and saying, I'm, I exalt you. I, I extol you, O Lord. I, I'm, I'm lifting you up and praising you. And I'm lifting you up and I'm, I'm praising you because you have drawn me up. And one of the great things about the Psalms is, is the word pictures in this poetry. Because his drawing him up is, is like when you let down a bucket into a well and you draw water up in that bucket. He, he's saying that, that God, you, you reached down and you drew me up. You drew me up. I was in trouble and, and you, you gathered me and, and pulled me up. Oh God, oh Lord my God, uh, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. You have healed me. You've bound up my wounds and, and, and taken care of me. And what is it that he saved him from? It says, Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. He's when he's let down that bucket to gather up David and pull him out, it's as though he's pulled him out of the very grave. Because David was with those people that, that were holding him down and, and bringing him down and pulling him down. And, and you know what, what that's like, right? You're, you're walking through life and you just feel like stuff is, is pulling at your legs. You know, like when you are, are wading through a pond... And there's that mud at the bottom of the pond, the really icky, oozy kind of mud that your mom doesn't want you to really be in that kind of mud. But it's okay because we're swimming at the pond. And as you're walking along, it sort of is pulling at your legs. And then there's that stuff that that sort of grows up from the bottom of the pond and wraps around your legs. And it it feels like it's pulling you down. And that's what David's talking about. He's going, I, you know, I was, I was among those who were going down to the pit. That's the direction that they were headed. And I was headed right with them. I was walking along and we were, we were doing sort of the sin stuff and everybody else was doing it and I was right there with them and it was just drawing me down, down, down. But Lord, you have reached down and you have drawn me back up. You've drawn me up out of that pit. You've drawn me up out of the grave, out of Sheol. And so, Lord, that's why I'm praising You. I'm extolling You, Lord. For You have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to You for help and You have healed me. O Lord, You have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. And then as David has described this of himself, now he cries out and he says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. And I I look at that, and at first it just seems a little weird to me. Right? Because I told you the story about my mom. She saved me. I was trapped by those foes underneath that rubber raft in the pond and my mom saved me. Now, you appreciate that, right? But if I come out and I say, hey congregation, sing praises to my mom because she saved me. You'd go, you know, that's a little weird. I, ap- I appreciate that on your behalf, but really, that's sort of a you thing, and she's not my mom. And so this feels like a very individual psalm, that David is saying, oh Lord, you have done this for me, you have raised me out of the pit. But now he turns to the congregation and he says, hey, hey guys, this is not just a me thing, this is an us thing. All of us together sing praises to God for this. All of us sing praises together. This is a congregational thing. Why is it a congregational thing? I think there are a a couple of reasons for that. The first is that praise is necessarily public. Right? I can appreciate my mom privately. I can be thankful for my mom. I can adore my mom privately. But if I'm going to praise my mom, that requires some other people to hear it. When I'm going to praise her or if I'm going to lift her up, somebody else has to hear it. And so when David is praising God and he's going, look, this is a public thing. Everybody, you've got to hear this. You have to hear this. You have to hear what the Lord has done for me. You have to know it. And in fact, you should sing it with me. Because this isn't just a me thing. He's not just my God who has saved only me. But He is your God too. And He has saved you. And He is drawing you up and pulling you out of that pit, raising you up out of the grave. And as He has done that for me, it is a preview that He is doing this for His people as a whole. He is raising them up, He's bringing them up. Because He is our great God. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. All of us together sing praises together. Why? For His anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. His anger is so short compared to His favor, that's why. That's why we praise Him. It's not that God never gets angry. God gets angry. It's not that He never gets mad. When we sin, when we do stuff that He doesn't like, that makes God angry. It's part of His character. It's part of who He is. In fact, uh, his, His character is described a little bit more In Exodus chapter 34, when you might remember Moses is up on the mountain and God is there with him and reveals himself because Moses has asked him to. Moses said, God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And so the Lord passed by in front of him in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. It says, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And hearing this, Moses bowed and worshipped. Because this is who God is. This is His character. Yes, He loves people. Yes, He's gracious and merciful and He is slow to anger, but He does have that anger. He does have that anger. When we sin against Him, His anger flashes against us. Uh, You know, I, I was not always a perfect kid. And there were a couple of times that I made my mom mad. This one time was for making cookies. My cousin and I, again, were together. They're, I got into a lot of trouble with my cousin. Great gal now, but at the time, we got into a lot of trouble together. We were making cookies, um, but we weren't tall enough to reach the counter, so we just made them right there on the floor. We also couldn't reach the bowls, so we just used the floor. And so once you've taken the Crisco and you have spread it on the floor, and then you add the flour in... Um, Now you have this great greasy paste all over the kitchen floor. And when mom comes in, her anger flashes for a moment. (laughs) Maybe a little longer than a moment. And I can remember doing a couple of things like that, maybe just a handful of times, doing things that, that made my mom angry. But you know, that's not what I remember most of the time. My mom's anger lasted for a moment, but she loves me. She has loved me my whole life. She has been the woman who has saved me, who came and pulled me out of that water. The one who has walked alongside me. The one who has comforted me when I was hurt. The one that I would talk to as I was getting older and go, I'm trying to figure this out. And she would walk with me through that. And her favor has been with me and continues with me for a whole lifetime. And you know, she gets a lot less angry with me now than she did when I was little. And what he's saying here in this psalm is that for his anger, God's anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And this, this tarry for the night is like... The, um, the the weeping sort of has a sleepover. It, it spent the night with us, but in the morning we have joy. It's gone. It's a temporary thing, but God's favor lasts on and on and on. And so David is calling out to the congregation and he's saying, look, this has been my experience and what I'm calling you to is now to praise God because His favor lasts for a whole lifetime. And when He brings His anger, that's only just for a moment. It's only briefly. And then when we repent and we come to Him, then He pulls us out, He saves us. And He gives us His favor for a lifetime. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, how does He do that? Right? I know that God does that, and David tells us that, but how does He do that? And it brought me to John chapter 5, where Jesus says to His disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man." Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all those who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And what Jesus is saying is, look, this is the way that God is going to raise you up out of the pit. You have an issue. You've been going away from him into sin and have been descending into the pit along with all those others who are on their way to the grave. But God the Father has given authority to Jesus, God the Son, to execute judgment and to say, this will be the consequences for your sin. And has at the same time given Him the authority that He might say, and for you, I am going to give eternal life. I am going to raise you up. And we have seen in Jesus that God has the authority to raise up the dead. And Jesus is the prefigurement of that, right? Jesus died, was, was killed on the cross, buried into the grave, and then rose again from the dead on the third day and now has the authority to do the same thing for us. And so now David is telling the whole congregation, look, praise God because I know this is who God is. He didn't know all that about Jesus. He didn't know how all of that was going to work specifically. He just knew that when he had a problem and he cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised him up. That's the kind of character that God has. And now we know specifically how that works is that God looked at our problem and said, you know what, I'm going to send Jesus. Jesus is going to die in your place. He's going to go down to the pit on your behalf so that he might raise you up to eternal life with him. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Now, up to this point, David has been giving us sort of this general principle. This is sort of generally what happened. I was in trouble God raised me up, and now I'm calling all of us to sing his praises together. And now in the second half, we just rehearse that same thing, but with a little bit more specifics. Where he says, as for me, this is verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. That's what happened. uh, David's treacherous sin. He was comfortable and he said, I shall always be secure. He was content and he was happy and he said, this is just how life is for me. And he was proud. In that moment of comfort, or maybe time of comfort and security, David felt very secure. And so he says, in my prosperity, I went, I will never be moved. I can never be shaken. Here I am. Here I am, and here I shall remain. But what was actually happening, verse 7, it says, By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. David says, you know, God, you had raised me up and you had put me on this firm mountain and there I stood and I was strong. And as I was standing there, I thought, man, this is good. Look at where I am. It will always be this way. And I forgot that it was by your favor that you had placed me there. And so I thought I can never be shaken on this mountain because look at where I am and nobody can touch this. Nobody can deal with this. I I am here. And I am firm. But then, Lord, you turned your face away. You hid your face from me. And I realized it wasn't me. I was standing secure. And then you turned your face away, and suddenly I wasn't secure anymore. And I was trembling. I was shaking. I was dismayed. And so to You, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. O God, forgive me for my pride and my arrogance in thinking that I had done this for myself when in fact it was Your favor that put me there. Because as soon as You turned Your face away from me, no longer was I secure. No longer was I stable. No longer was I sure of my position here. And I have realized. Oh Lord, in your anger, you turned your face away from me. You weren't paying attention anymore. And my foes were overwhelming me. Can you imagine? If I'd been in that water. And my mom suddenly decided to turn her face away. And not pay attention. And not watch. As the raft got flipped, I was secure in that raft. Nobody can nobody can handle me. I'm floating on this water. I'm not even wet. And then that raft gets flipped and the foes climb on top of it and I can't get out. If my mom had hit her face, had turned away and wasn't paying attention? It would have been a very sad story. But he cries out. He says, O oh Lord, you, you turned Your face away from me, but O oh Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise You? Will it tell of Your faithfulness? Hear, O oh Lord, and be merciful to me. O oh Lord, be my Helper. And it almost sounds as if, if David is bargaining with God. But I don't think that's what's actually happening here. David isn't, isn't saying to God, look, God, if you save me, then I will praise you. He, he's just saying, Lord, I recognize the error of my ways and I am humbling myself and I'm crying out to you for help. And now, Lord, if you save me, I will praise you. Because I know that you are my God. Because I know that the safety, that the surety comes from you. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. I want to take just a minute as we are working our way through this psalm and we we have gotten to this place where we see David specifically saying, Lord, this is the sin that is pulling me away from you. I want you to just think for a minute. Is there a sin that has been pulling you away from God? Is there something that you have been dealing with or maybe ignoring or maybe saying, you know, this isn't that big of a deal? but it's pulling you away from God and you know it. You, you know when, you, you, when you're a kid and, and you're hanging out with people and you, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Mom would be so mad if she knew. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but everybody else is doing it and they seem to be okay with it, so I'll just kind of go along. Right? That happens when you're kids and when you grow up to be an adult, there's still that happening. There are still those things that you're dealing with that in the back of your mind you're going, you know, you know, if God was watching, I don't think He'd be that pleased with this. It's a good thing nobody's paying any attention. It's a good thing it's just me here and nobody else around. Well, we just, we minimize it and we say, it's probably not that big of a deal. He doesn't care that much. If, you, if I'm talking about these things and there's something that's coming to mind for you, I'd like you to just take the next two minutes and confess that to God. And say, God, I, I recognize that there is this sin in my life that is pulling me away from you. And I want to confess that to you and ask for your mercy, O Lord. Let's just take two minutes to reflect on those uh, kinds of things. In verse 10, David says, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. O Lord, be my helper. Come alongside me. Strengthen me. Encourage me. Raise me up. Pick me up. O Lord, be be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. It is only going to be because of your grace and your mercy and your compassion. And you remember in, in Exodus 34 we read that, that these are the descriptions of who God is. Yes, God's anger is there. He will punish and deal with iniquity and sin, but He also is merciful and gracious and abounding in loving kindness. And so we have realistic expectation that even though we have sinned and even though it is drawing us away from God, when we repent and we come back to Him, He will love us and He will embrace us and He will draw us in close. So that in verse 11 we have, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. As David was down in his, on his way into the pit, on his way to Sheol, there's mourning, there's, there's the sackcloth and, and the ashes, which are the pictures of, of uh, mourning and death. And it says now that, he says, you've turned those things into gladness and dancing. You've you stripped off the sackcloth, you've taken off the ashes, you've cleaned me up, and now you have clothed me instead with gladness and joy. What a wonderful thing. As an individual, it's a wonderful thing to feel like, okay, there was all of that stuff in me that I didn't like, that I had to deal with that I didn't want people to know about, but God has taken that from me and has cleaned me so that now I can rejoice and I can be filled with joy and gladness in His presence. That's great for me as an individual, but for all of us together as a congregation, we get to do that together. We get to rejoice together in the things that God has done for us. For some of you, He has taken you from places of lowliness to places of great exaltation. For, for others of you, He's just given you a security or He's brought somebody alongside you. Now you go, man, Ed, I have just seen the Lord's favor. I have just seen the way the Lord loves me. The way that He encourages me. I, I have seen the Lord's favor in, in my family. Saw, saw the Lord's favor when, every time I spend time with my grandparents. I think the Lord has just blessed this family from generation to generation to generation. How, how cool is it that my grandparents have been praying for me since before I was born and have continued to pray for me? How cool is it that, that my dad grew up with a pastor and a missionary for a father and that he walked faithfully with God and has passed that on to me and now I'm passing that on to my kids how cool is that that's the Lord's favor I didn't do anything to deserve that that was stuff that happened way before me and it's going to continue on way after me I've got nothing to do with it except that I stand in the middle and I proclaim to you this is the Lord's favor on me As a pastor, sometimes you you get into a place where you think that you have more authority or more power or more ability than you actually do. There's very little I can actually accomplish. There's very little I can actually influence or make happen. And I've seen that time and time again, where there's somebody that I'm working with and I just go, you know, if I could just explain it to them properly... I'm sure that they would understand and they too would delight in God and then they don't. And I think, man, I would really messed that up. And then, by God's grace, sometimes I talk with somebody and their life turns around and I go, Yeah! Pastor of the Year Award right here! Uh, somebody giggled that was a little too young to be getting that joke. And then I see the Lord's favor on me as I'm able to take a summer away and spend some time on sabbatical with my family to be rested and refreshed and just let all of the burdens go and put everything down for a little while and come back and see the church just as strong as when I left. That's not me. That has nothing to do with me. That is only the favor of God. And so I stand before you in the midst of the congregation and say, it is the favor of the Lord. There are things that God has been doing and is continuing to do in your life that is the favor of the Lord. Lord, you have turned... For me, my morning into dancing, and have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent, O oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Notice here, notice here, because it 's easy to miss, that david 's glory will sing his praise. What was his problem before? His problem was his pride. His, his problem was that david 's glory was not singing praises to God. It was not resulting in praises to God. But now he says, now I remember, God, that it is your favor that has lasts with me for a lifetime. And now my glory results in your praise. My glory results in your praise because it is your favor to me that results in my glory. So as David was low, God scoops him up and raises him up. And now being raised up, he exalts the Lord. And offers him praises. What I would love for you to do for the next few minutes is turn to somebody that's near you and talk about the favor of the Lord. I'd like you to just tell somebody about the favor of the Lord that his praises might be multiplied here this morning. I don't know what all of the stories are because I've been gone for a couple of months. But I know that there are stories about the Lord's favor that are right here among you. And so as you talk about them, may God's praise be multiplied here in the congregation as we share together the favor of the Lord. And then the uh, worship team is going to come up and they are going to lead us in another song and we'll all praise him together for all of the great things that he has done.